Hey all you cool cats and kittens. Welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And today we're talking about the 2019 disaster, Cats. Oh geez, I guess at some point we had to talk about it. I knew at some point I had to watch it, so I did it last night. Yeah, I got a, li- so, like, so got a little I. drunk for it. Got a little drunk for it. So it was it was really scary, <laughs> terrifying. I think it's up there in comparison to as scary as Hereditary. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you watch it drunk. Then you have nightmares about skimble shanks and macavity and all these Dude, weird I, cats. I had a nightmare last night where I was Rebel Wilson cat just eating cockroaches. <laughs> It's just awful. It's weird because I had a nightmare that I was one of the cockroaches. <gasps> uh oh. Oh snap. Um, <laughs> but anywho, let's let's talk about this movie. Um, if for those of you who don't know, it was originally and still is a uh, Broadway play. Well, I guess musical. Um, it's been running for like years. I think it's like thirty years that it, it's been running on Broadway. Um, That's a long time on Broadway. It is such a long time on Broadway, and it's a very successful musical on People Broadway. like it, too. Yeah, it's not just like it's not like it just makes money back. Like, there's a, a big fan base for it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but once it gets translated over to film, it just doesn't work as well as it did, in my opinion. No, it's not an opinion. Well, yeah, everyone hates it. <laughs> But um yeah let's 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 get into like kind of the story of this movie. So we start start this movie off um and we meet our main I guess our main character who in the in the musical she doesn't even exist. Like she's not even a character in the musical. Yeah, so they just give you a main character who's like not even a part of it and that's how you instantly already know we're off to a bad start. <laughs> exactly. So our main character is Victoria. That's her uh I guess given name cuz cats have three names. Um, they set that up early in the movie. Um, her given name is Victoria and she kind of gets dumped on the street and then all these cats are like, Ooh, who is this? And they start dancing around the bag for some reason. And, um, but it's, it's interesting cause it's almost as if she is the replacement for the audience in this movie. Yeah. Um, cause the cats in the musical would talk to the audience and that makes sense. But then you replace the audience with this character who all the cats are therefore interacting with, which, yeah, I guess that makes sense. How we're, that's subbing in for us. Yeah. It's, it's like this replacement of, Oh, I guess we can't really break the fourth wall all the time, even though they do at the end of the movie. Um, but yeah, so she gets introduced and, um, she meets all these cats, these jellicle cats, and then Ooh. we then we start this big musical number about jellical songs for jellical cats. Uh, we the fact that we instantly get thrown into a world where characters can say jellical upwards of a hundred times in one song and not explain what it means. Yeah, is, <laughs> is, is is bad. Yeah, it's the thing about it is it's such a huge part of the movie, but I still have no idea what a jellical cat means or what the word jellical means. And. Just skipping forward to the ending right quick. They say in the ending, they're like, now you know what a jellicle is. And I'm like, really? Do I? Because I, I don't quite feel like I do. No, I don't. Because you've, you've said so many things about jellicle cats. Like in one of the songs, they're like, jellicle cats are small and they're black and white, but they're not small. And they sometimes aren't black and white. And I'm like, then what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? <laughs> what like, is a jellicle cat? Like what classifies a jellicle cat? 
I I really don't know. Um, but well, the term jellical actually comes from. So if you don't know, um, this musical is filled with a bunch of poetry by a guy named T. S. Eliot, and uh, so he there's actually a poem or something, uh, where he talks about the difference between dogs and cats in this way where uh he mentions the jellical cats or like i guess these nice cats or something i don't know um, and that was that was enough for the writers of the movie to just roll with it and say it 400 times yeah like oh it's fine people we people get it people They'll catch understand. on um but no no one did <laughs> uh, so yeah so we get introduced to our main character and we have this big musical number about jellical cats and we meet um Mr. Mistopheles, one of the characters, he is a magical cat. He can perform magic, I guess. Do they um, establish any of his magic acts in the first half of the movie, or do we just get him doing magic all of a sudden? No, well, they kind of establish it, like, in the first song, um, he does a couple tricks and stuff, um, but it's not really established that he's actually magic. It kind of just looks like he's a magician cat who's doing, like, fake magic, Um because he like pulls stuff out of his hat and he has like a magician's coat on and like the idea that magic exists in this universe isn't established yet. Um, so it just kind of just, I don't know, it's weird because our character is like, I'm a magical cat. It's like, what does that mean? Are you, can you actually do magic? <laughs> I think he like pulls some flowers out of his sleeves and like that's about it. But, Meanwhile, Idris Elba cat's like teleporting around town, and yeah, this is our and main magician. That is a that is a perfect segue into our next character, who is McCavity, uh, Idris Elba cat, um, introduced on a billboard that says "Wanted for Everything." Yeah, literally, there's no there's no end to his crimes. He's just wanted for everything. There's um, no doubt in your mind when you establish your villain is wanted for everything that they they are a bad villain. <laughs> they are they are a bad they cat. A, He's <laughs> They're bad guy. They're not nice. Um, but it's it's so weird because he just kind of shows up and he's just there and he's like, I'm McCavity. And no one really knows who McCavity is. Apparently he's some creepy dude because all the other cats are scared, I guess. Um, but yeah, he has magic, magical powers for some reason. Like it just, he kind of just, doesn't he appear out of thin air? Yeah, consistently. Well, he does it a lot through the movie, but like the first time we see him, he just appears on the top of this billboard, and it's changed to McCavity and all this stuff. Um, While we were watching it, Caitlin, Caitlin just said, "You can tell he's bad because his eyes are green." <laughs> That's the key sign. That's the key Disney sign. Have you ever I'll, heard about the theory? No. So there's this. Well, it's not a theory. It's an actual thing where a lot of Disney villains all have the color green, like. Somewhere within uh, their color palette, the color green shows up. Like Maleficent has green magic smoke, and oh yeah, the evil doctor from the Frog and the Princess he has green magic smoke and stuff. And so, it's this thing where all evil villains have green magic. I don't know it, why that that shows that someone's evil is if if they have anything green related to them. Yeah, I guess they're evil. Exactly. So listen up, kids. Um, leprechauns are evil. It's been determined by Disney and by any evil character that wears green. <laughs> Facts. Um, but yeah, so that's that's McCavity for you. Uh, he shows up. He's pretty much our main villain for the movie. Um, 
they don't really set that up very well, in my opinion. He's just kind of like, I'm a cavity, and I'm going to be the most jellical cat. Oh, yeah. Um, in the in the opening scene, too, we understand jellical cats, I guess, and we also are told that there's a jellical ball happening. Every year, the jellical cats get together, and they go uh, to the jellical ball to see who is the most jellical cat. And then if the cat is the most jellical I can't believe we're talking about this movie. <laughs> if the cat is the most jellical, then they are picked to go to the heaviside lair, which is essentially a metaphor for rebirth. And now they're going on to their second life because, you know, cats have nine lives. So, my, yeah. My question is, what happens when they run out of lives? Are yeah, they then, then they're just dead. I then guess. they just send them to the heaviside lair, but they're like, it's not actually the heaviside lair. It's just a morgue underneath cat town <laughs> i i have no idea i also speaking of cat town you just mentioned this the setting of this movie is it in like a real world or is it in its own world yeah like we brought this up earlier it, it's set in this weird london cat town where like there's milk bars and it's all nothing like anything that actually exists in earth but then on top of that uh, Idris Elba's villain falls onto a real building that exists in London. So, it <laughs> yeah, like there's, there are, and there's like real people in this world, and there's dogs and. Um... Oh my god, the dogs thing is hilarious because this the cats in this movie are so not to scale of the size of any actual cat. Not at all. No, like it, when the it... dog starts barking and like traps them in the room, that dog you don't see it, but it's implied that like a dog in this universe is like a Huge. beast. Where yeah. yeah. And a, it's not only with that, it's also with things like um, the trash cans they stand beside or, like, the food that they eat or um, how everything's just, like, slightly bigger than it would be normal. I don't know. It, it, it's all just moderately off. Yeah, the perspective on everything is very misleading. And, like, the mice are so small in this movie, too. Like, they're tiny um, compared to, like, the actual size of a mouse. But... In scale to a cat, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the setting of this movie um, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense perspective-wise. Um, I, I do have to say, though, the fact that throughout this movie we um, are kind of taken through an alleyway and we're just, like, diverted at different sections and meet these different characters, I like that. I think it's a cool way that the story kind of progresses and allows us to meet these different characters. Yeah, um, I can agree with that. Yeah, and I think it it kind of solves the problem of like how in a musical we meet a character, they sing about themselves, and then we move on. Like I think in the setting of the movie, in this it also doesn't really work that well. But with it going through uh, that alleyway, it kind of helps solve that problem and allows us to meet these characters in their own environments and then kind of keep going. Um, mm-hmm. But still, it's weird. Anywho, <laughs> um, so back to the main story. After we meet McCavity, we meet Grizabella, played by uh, Jennifer Hudson. Um, and she is arguably one of the best. She does the best performance in this movie, in my opinion. That's um, what I was going to say. I was going to say if there's any part of this movie that came anywhere close to actually getting me to connect with any character in it, it was... Uh, Jennifer Hudson as Grizabella, for sure. Yeah, and um, 
her her song is one of the more iconic songs in the movie, in my opinion. I like out of all the songs in this movie, her song was the one I knew the most. Where she's like, or whatever the heck it is. I don't know the words. I actually do know the words because that was a song that I heard a lot as a kid, just out of context from Cats. I think my mom just played it a lot, and she doesn't even know what Cats is, or she knows what it is, but she's never seen it. So. That song is for sure. If there's anything that you can take away from Cats without connecting it to the world of Cats, is probably that song. Yeah, I like when I uh, when it came on. Like me and uh, my mom, she knew it as well, and so it's the more like iconic thing in that movie, I guess. Um, but yeah, so Grizabella is this character played by Jennifer Hudson, who all the cats don't like her, I guess, and. Uh, you're going to hear me say, I guess, a lot throughout this. It's, um, it's just one big question mark. Yeah. Uh, but sh- so the cats don't like her because she went with McCavity for some reason. I don't really know. Um, I didn't really catch that part. Did you? Not really. Yeah. So I guess just the cats don't like her. Um, so she's kind of been shunned and... Uh, she, she's like the homeless cat. Yeah. She like lives in the alleyways and all that stuff. Um, but I, I don't really get why they don't like her. It, and it me isn't neither. really, it isn't really explained either. It never is. I mean, maybe no. in one of the songs, I just missed it, but. Um, okay. But like, it's, it's really easy to miss a certain, like one lyric that says that in a movie where just like every other line is just like angelicals dance, angelicals do like, it's yeah. In a, in a movie where a lot of the songs make little to no sense, it's kind of hard to pick up on those little things, but. Um, so after we meet Grizabella, we go on to meet, uh, Jenny Any Dots, played by Rebel Wilson. Um, <sighs> and wow, this scene is like a drug trip, in my opinion. I, I really had nothing else to say when you said Jenny Any Dots, played by Rebel Wilson, except for just to let the biggest sigh ever. <laughs> because um, Rebel Wilson, I don't dislike Rebel Wilson at all, but I think that she is by far, next to James Corden, as least... Like, when you think of Cats, I would never think of Rebel Wilson or James Corden. I actually would think of James Corden. I would not think of Rebel Wilson. Because James Corden um, did a lot of, like, he was a very big Broadway fan. And he hosted the Tonys, I think, a couple times, too. Did he? Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. So when I heard that James Corden was in it, I wasn't really surprised. But Rebel Wilson, I'm not the biggest fan of Rebel Wilson. Me neither. Um, and her the cat character, Jenny Any Dots, is weird. Um, she's... A, did they say a Gumby cat? Uh, yeah, they say and, something like that. And I think they're like talking how she's like a lazy cat because she just like lays around and chills. And um, but one specific thing I want to talk about in this scene is since she just chills and hangs out and lays around, she has the time to teach cat uh, rats or mice and cockroaches how to dance. Um, yeah. And it's very unsettling because all these mice and cockroaches have faces. I heard people saying prior to this movie coming out, like, oh, the scene with Rebel Wilson cat eating cockroaches with human faces is really uncomfortable. And I'm like, okay, that sounds a little weird, but, like, I'm sure there's weirder stuff in the movie. And coming out of the movie, there is – that is it. That's yeah, the that's, weirdest scene. That's the weirdest scene. Um, and she's, because, like, eating them and stuff. Well, yeah, and – it's terrifying because, like, you actually hear them scream and stuff. And, like, she's eating these cockroach-like people. And 
I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just weird. I don't know how to feel. Like, they've established these cockroaches to now be, like, the same sort of weird type of humanoid thing as the cats. So, by just doing that, what's the difference between killing these cockroaches or, like, literally just killing one of the main cats? Yeah, exactly. And, like, another thing is, I don't even know if these cockroaches and mice are in the the play. I, I didn't watch the play. I watched a couple of clips. Um, but I have no idea if they're actually in the play or not. And I'm going to assume that they're not because... It would uh, only make sense. Yeah, it would only make sense that that would be a creative thing that they decided to do, a creative liberty that they took where they're like, how can we make this weirder? Dancing cockroaches <laughs> and mice, yes, that's what I'm talking about. There's there's so many creative liberties taken in this movie too where like I, I imagine how it would have been on Broadway. And I know we live in a time frame where CGI is so advanced, but this movie really makes it look like we're in 2004. Yeah, um, it's it's just very unsettling and weird. Um, I'll, I I want to talk more about uh, the CGI and how it makes the movie feel weird and all that stuff later. Um, but sure. let's keep trucking through our characters here that we keep meeting. Um, so after we have Jenny Any Dots, we meet none other than Jason Derulo. As Rum Tum Tugger is a curious cat. <laughs> Um, and, uh, he, for some reason is British. I don't know why. I don't know who told Jason Derulo, like, hey man, you want to be a cat? He's like, yeah, I'm down. They're like, okay, but you're British. Yeah. And they're like, okay, do the accent. And he does it. And then they're like, good enough. Yeah. Whoever decided that needs to get fired. Um, but it's, I, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I understand that they're in London. The setting is London. I get that. Yeah. But some of the characters don't have British accents, and it's okay. So why did they feel the need for Jason Derulo to have a British accent? Yeah, like half the cats just talk normally, and then the, half the other cats, like Taylor Swift cat as well, is is British. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know. Anywho, the, like so we we get to see Rum Tum Tugger do his dance where he's this cat who. Um, he's essentially describing like a house cat, in my opinion. I don't have cats. I'm allergic to cats, actually. I had cats for a while, but I don't have them now. I watched this movie and I started sneezing profusely. <laughs> <laughs> it, it made you allergic. Yeah, but um, he, he's kind of describing a house cat, in my opinion, or what people tell me house cats are like, because he sings about how he like sits in a drawer, but then... Uh, if he can't get out of the drawer, he's mad, even though he wants to be in the drawer. And when people let him inside, he actually wants to go outside, even though he wanted to go inside. And it's very weird. Um, and then it, arguably one of my favorite uh, lines out of the movie uh, is when his his little like set is this milk bar. Um, it kind of looks like a 50s burger shop, but it's like a milk bar. I don't know. <laughs> And it's got a lot of neon lights and stuff. And then there's like when he goes in, um, there's just a there's like this weird close up shot on him, and he goes milk, and then it starts. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's that that's that shot of him from the trailer, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the trailer. Uh, yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen it and is trying to save themselves from seeing it just by listening to this, which is a really smart move. Good call. Um, but yeah, so. It's it's a very weird musical scene, and then Rum Tum Tugger does all his stuff and whatever. <laughs> I I love how you were talking for so long 
with all this enthusiasm in your voice, and then you're just like <laughs> rum tum tugger. Instantly, it's like this dreary topic that I we just, have to go back to. I just give up. I got lost in the milk, and then I realized we're still talking about cats. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's rum tum tugger. Uh, and then we get to arguably one of the best cats in this entire movie. Uh, my sleep paralysis demon. <laughs> <laughs> Bustopher Jones, aka James Corden cat, aka the fat cat. Yeah, James Corden cat. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say about him. We're just we're no, uh, we're gonna skip James Corden cat because he. Okay, I'm just sitting here like losing all train of thought because it's so funny. But like, he's just a nightmare, man. He just introduces himself and he's just singing about how. He's just so fat. That's just his entire song. Yeah, his song is about how he's so fat and everyone knows who he is because he hangs out at all the clubs and, uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a there's a joke that they make, which I saw it and I was like, oh, gosh. Because um, it makes no sense because he's talking about how he's the fat cat. He's a big cat. He's a big boy. And then there's one point where... He's standing on like a seesaw, like a plank, a wooden plank that's like a seesaw, and he's, get, he's supposed to get launched up into the air. And one cat jumps on it, and he doesn't move, and he's like, you know I'm sensitive about my weight. And I was like, you were just singing about how you're how the biggest you cat. Are. Yeah, you're a fat cat. I just, maybe it's maybe it's a fat cat referencing like the term um, fat cat being somebody who has a lot of money or is well known and that kind of thing. There's um, so many things wrong with this movie, and now we have to add inconsistent writing to the list. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a very weird little segment with my good old man, Bustopher Jones. And we have to jump back to the fact that a lot of these musical numbers are ending with Idris Elba Cat reappearing, and then he starts talking to the cat that just sang, and then he goes, meow, and then they just disappear. Yeah, so um, just to go back to McCavity... Um, he, his kind of thing is that he wants to be the most jellicle cat at the jellicle ball. Um, and so his solution to that is that he's going to steal all the contestants. He's going to whisk them away to this, um, barge in the middle of the Thames. The Thames is a river that goes through London. Um, and he's just got like these cats uh, tied up there. Like he steals Rebel Wilson cat and he steals, uh, James Corden cat. Um, and so his, uh, his whole thing is kind of that he's going to win because there's no one else left, I guess. Um, it's like, if you think you're going to be the best cat by default, by being the worst possible person or cat, sorry. <laughs> Hayden, you, these are cats, not yeah, people. <laughs> we're not talking about people here. This is, this is a movie about cats. So get it right. Um, but yeah, I guess that's his, that's his plan. Um, and so he'll, at the end of everyone's song, he pretty much like, um, preys on their weakness and then steals them away. Uh, except for he doesn't steal away Rum Tum Tugger. Rum Tum Tugger stays. Rum Tum Tugger is just chilling the whole movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Buster Jones gets swept away. Um. And then our main character Victoria meets like these two burglar cats that I don't really need to mention because they aren't super important in my <laughs> opinion. Just skip the burglar cats. We'll skip them. It's okay. They're not, we get like a little song where they are sneaky cats and steal stuff, I guess. Um, but now we're on to our big important character, old Deuteronomy. Um, 
And Old I, Deuteronomy is played by Judy Dench. Who's also a good part of this movie, in, in, I guess. Back to the I guess thing that you were talking about. But, yeah. like, she does all right. I think she is probably one of the better characters, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. Um, just because her character is very important and crucial to the plot. Um, or lack of plot. Or lack of plot. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's I think that's what makes her a good character in this. And plus the fact that she seems like everyone loves her and, like, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and it's and it's Judy fucking Dench, so yeah, like by, by Dench. default you love her. I my favorite Judy Dench role is um, her as M in 007. Um, oh yes, yeah, she does a really good job at that, uh, and it is uh, one of my favorite roles that she does. Oh, lately. how the mighty fall! <laughs> um, but yeah, so Judy Dench cat is old Deuteronomy, and she is the one who makes the jellical choice at the jellical ball. Um, she picks who's the most jellical cat. And so that's why she's so important to the plot. Um, and everyone loves her and she's the best and she acts like an old cat, I guess. And she's a wise cat. Yeah, because she's been around for so long. Um, and so we enter into, I think it's called the Egyptian, is the club that they go to to make the yeah. jellical choice. Um, get it? Because like Egyptian cats. <laughs> Clever. Um also, really quickly, I want to mention the cat jokes in this movie. They suck. <laughs> yeah, they're so they're bad. just they're so punny. It's like every cat joke in this is like equivalent of a dad joke. There's like the one point where one of the characters goes, "What cat got your tongue?" And it's like, "Your cat." Okay, we get it. And then, um, I specifically remember gagging out loud <laughs> when when she said that, dude. I- Another thing I want to mention is the fact that there are so many moments where these people, cat things, are in these poses, and I feel like they're going to hawk up a hairball. I was waiting for somebody to hawk up a hairball, and it never if happened. An, if any cat should have hawked up a hairball, it's Rebel Wilson cat. Yeah, it's Jenny Annie Dots. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, back to our story, I guess. <laughs> um, we've got old Deuteronomy, and she everyone goes into the... Uh, Egyptian, and then we are introduced to Gus, who's an old cat played by Ian McKellen. Um, and I, I think this is a very fitting character for Ian McKellen because this cat is known for how many plays he's been in and Shakespeare stuff and all that. And if you know Ian McKellen, um, he has done a lot of like Shakespeare stuff. He, mm-hmm. there's a, I think he did Hamlet, if I'm not mistaken, is that the Hamlet or King Lear? Uh, maybe he's done both. Um, but he is known for the fact that he started off as a Shakespeare, um, actor. And I think it's really fitting for his character. Uh, he's like this sick old cat that has, that goes on stage and talks about his giant triumphs in the theater. And when they needed a cat in Shakespeare, he was there and all this stuff. His song is really bad. Yeah. It's kind of hard to understand him. Um, and I love Ian McKellen. Yeah, I, I love Ian McKellen too. He's amazing. Uh, but I feel bad for him in that role because he, I don't know. I I do get why he would take it though because, like you said, like it is sort of a character that represents a little bit where he's at in his career. Aside from the fact that you know one's a person and one's a cat. So yeah, I I do get it, but I just feel bad that the movie turned out so awful. Yeah, exactly. Um. But yeah, so we get Gus, and then we intru- we're getting introduced to uh, a couple other characters that aren't super important to the plot, like um, 
Bombalera, I think. Bombalarina? <laughs> I don't know how to say her name. It's played by Taylor Swift. Um, she's in the side of McCavity. She's one of McCavity's hench cats. I didn't know Taylor mm. Swift cat was evil, and I was a little disappointed. Yeah, so was I. It was kind of like, what, what does she have to gain? Why is she there? Yeah. What is her purpose? She's um, just not mentioned at all. Like, I thought McCavity was a cold motherfucker dude. I thought he was a solo rider. And then uh, they just reveal the fact that he's got a bunch of random henchmen. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, Taylor Swift cat gives everyone catnip and makes them trip out, I guess. Get it? Get it? Because it's catnip. <laughs> it makes cats go crazy. Do you get the joke? You better get the joke. You better think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> that's that's one of the things about this movie. I feel like a lot of the comedy was like shoved down my throat. Like I feel almost like all of like, it. Hey, this is funny, right? This is a funny moment, right? <laughs> it's funny that Rebel Wilson gets hit a bunch, and it's like, no, it's not. Like, like the part where Rebel Wilson cat gets her hand stuck in the mouse trap. I feel like they really wanted the audience to laugh, but it's just not funny. No, I think the funniest moment that Rebel Wilson gets hit in is when she's swinging around that chain and she hits herself in the face. I think that's kind of funny. I like yeah. chuckled a bit. Um, but yeah, so we get introduced to a bunch of characters. Um, one I want to mention is Skimble Shanks, the railway cat. Um, when I was in uh, voice class in when uh, school was still happening, um, we did we read Skimble Shanks the poem uh, as some as an activity in the class. I didn't even realize it until I watched the movie, and I was like, no. <gasps> and so. Um, I had I knew pretty much all the lyrics for Skimble Shanks, the Railway Cat, and I was not like happy with myself that I kind of <laughs> sung along. Um, but it's it's interesting because I noticed Skimble Shanks earlier in the movie because he's the only cat with pants on. Yeah, <laughs> like he's just got these red pants on for a bunch of the movie. I'm like, who is that cat? Why does he have pants on and nobody else does? Um, so does that mean that all the other cats are naked and they're just okay with it? I think so. I think they're just okay being naked all the time. Um, and Skimble Shanks just has the red pants on with the suspenders and the hat to make him seem like a railway cat. Free the nip, man. Free the nip nation. <laughs> they are just bearing everything out in the open. Um, but I, it's anywho. So that's Skimble Shanks for you. Um, I really didn't remember Skimbleshanks. Like you text when we were texting earlier about it, uh, you said that name, and I had to like Google it just because by that point I think I had just started to shut off a bit mentally. <laughs> yeah, it's like near the end of the movie when we're introduced to Skimbleshanks, and everyone's like, "Why is he here?" Um, it's actually a good song though. The song from that scene is. I wish more songs could have been like that because it's very theatrical and fun. It is a great tap dancing segment, and it's very cool how they transport us from inside of the Egyptian to this random railway in the middle of London. Um, I think it's it's a really cool transition, and it's a fun scene. Um, but yeah, I, it's just like we get introduced to him, and it's like, this is Skimbleshanks, and I'm like, why? Like... <laughs> My brain at that point was like, is there any goal here other than just introduce cats? Like, I was, I know there's not a story, but by that point, I was sort of hoping that we'd at least get some, some sort of final act. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we're just still meeting cats, and then they're just still going away. 
Um, and the final, well, not the final introduction, but one of the songs um, that I I personally think is my favorite song in this movie is done by Mr. Mistopheles, our magic cat friend we mentioned at the beginning of the movie, who's kind of just been there the entire time. Um, and it's one of my favorite songs. I think it's most catchy because it, it was the one that stuck in my head, even more than just Jellicle Cats. I have been singing those two in particular all day. Yeah. Um, but it's essentially like what happens is um, McCavity comes in and he's like, I'm the most jellical cat. And then um, old Deuteronomy's like, no, you're not. And then McCavity. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally just like that. She's like, he's like, there's no other cats. It's me. I'm the, I'm the most jellical. And it's just the most blatant shutdown. It's like, nah. Never. Yeah. And then McCavity steals away old Deuteronomy and then all the other cats like, no, what are we going to do? Who's going to be the most jellical cat? And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. Mr. Mistopheles, you have magic. Can you bring her back? And then it's a whole song about how he's going to try and bring her back. And he does, but she just kind of shows up. Like, he's doing his magic to try and make her come back, but she just shows up. She just walks up behind everyone. She's like, hey, I'm, I'm back. back. <laughs> um, but like, I guess his magic worked and she reappeared and whatever. She, she shows up like, here's Deuteronomy. <laughs> <laughs> here's Deuteronomy, your favorite book in the Bible. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So then I guess that's all the cats we're really introduced to. I don't think there's any other specific ones that. Um, Look at the, at this point, we're basically at the ending of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for those of you who have not watched the movie, um, Hayden, do you want to explain the ending as best as you can? <sighs> yeah. Okay. So, at the ending of the movie, McCavity is trying to get to the. He gets on the blimp. They they put Grizabella on a blimp. They decide yeah. that she is the most jellical cat. Because she's gone through so much shit, so whatever. She's the most jellical. She gets to start a new life. And she's on this little, it's like an air balloon. And then McCavity gets all salty, and he grabs onto a rope attached to the air balloon. And as it's floating off, he just falls and just lands on a building. And that's the ending of McCavity, our villain. Yeah, and for some reason, he can't do magic anymore. And he can't teleport off the top of this statue that he's on. And so now he's just stuck there forever. It doesn't even make sense. Like, they don't explain how he has the powers, and they don't explain where they go. They're just like, yeah, he just can't do it now. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense, but whatever, uh, I guess. Then Judy Denchcat, after Grizabella gets away and McCavity's stuck on top of this building now, uh, she looks directly at the camera. And, and she begins this big song about how now you know the cats and you know what cats are like and you've met the whole group of the cats and you know that they're not like dogs. And that's it. <laughs> that's the movie. Cats are not dogs. Done. It is the most anticlimactic ending ever. There is like no payoff. Um, the sun comes up. It's daytime now. And I guess the cats go back to their lives, whatever they are. They, they sing one final song and they all gather around a statue and that's it. And I think that seeing them in the sunlight makes them look even worse. <laughs> yeah, it takes an already bad design and just 
it's just smacks you with more horrible design. They're like weirdly glossy and less fluffy and more flat, I guess. They be looking like Edward from Twilight when he stepped out into the sun. <laughs> Sparkling, <laughs> shining bright. Um, but yeah, that's essentially the movie. Um, and all the cats you're going to meet in that movie. Uh, there you go. You don't have to watch the movie anymore. You're safe. Yeah, that's it. Um, don't, don't bother watching it unless you want something to have a horrible night to while you're drunk. And and even then, if you're, I'm sure if you're like half comatose, passed out, drunk, it's probably gonna be a lot of fun for you. Um, oh, or terrifying. I, I can't. I can't wait to get everybody together when this whole quarantine is over and just get everybody drunk and watch cats. It's gonna Dude, be horrible. We have to. We have to. Um, that's gonna be our Halloween costumes. We're all just gonna go as cats. I call. I want to be. Um, Buster for Jones, so bad. <laughs> He's all yours, man. Take that away from me. He's all yours. Um, uh, but let let's talk a little bit about why, like the aspects of this movie that make it feel weird. Yeah, so I think the reason that Hollywood thought this movie would work is because everybody has loved Cats for so long. Like the Broadway play, like you said, thirty years now. Like that's that's a big audience and that's a big fan base. Yeah. And Tom, I think his name's Tom Hooper. I think that's the director's name. Anyways, yeah, he had previous he had previously directed Les Mis uh, back in 2012 to relatively good reviews. I think people liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked made, I liked Les Mis a lot. It's very good. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. And it made like 500 million at the box office. So like it made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they assumed that hiring him would be a good choice because he's already got a history of adapting uh, Broadway plays into movies that people like right yeah but like in reality regardless of the budget or like the competent director or like the cast that everybody loves like nothing can save this movie because it it only (laughs) works as a play because to make this story work in a movie the amount of cgi is already gonna throw you off but on top of that it works because it's such like a i don't know how to necessarily describe it but by making it to this scale and having everything be so insane and dramatic and just fucking crazy it it takes away from what works about the broadway play i think yeah um the best way i can describe it is uh this term i think this is the right term for it it's called the uncanny valley i talk about it a lot um but for those of you who don't know what the uncanny valley is uh, the best way to describe it is it's this graph where we have real life things and we have fully cgi things and when we get to the middle it's not good. Um, and the best way to describe it is by using Star Wars, in my opinion. So we've got Han Solo as a real person. Everyone likes Han Solo. Han Solo's cool. And as a fully CGI character, we have like some crazy alien or something like that. Or the spaceships flying through space. Stuff like that. Um, and we like those because those are fully CGI. And uh, we don't have to worry about them looking realistic because they aren't. But right. then we get to the middle with my boy Jar Jar Binks. And people don't like Jar Jar Binks because he's too realistic, but also not realistic enough, you know? Mm-hmm. It's this weird in-between where we're like, is this a person? Is this not? What is this thing? And it just doesn't make sense to us. And I think they did a good job with the CGI in this movie. Don't get me wrong. It's impressive. Um, parts of it. Parts of it are impressive. A lot of it looks really awful. Uh, there are moments, like... I the parts that are, the impressive parts that I think of are when we get close up shots of like the characters' faces and how well 
it looks like they have their actual skin goes to fur and like how their ears look real and like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then we get those big dance numbers with a bunch of cats in it and they all don't look that good. Um because they're all weird and there's, there's so too many, many of them. them. Yeah, there's like so many of them that we can't really understand what's going on and we don't see the detail. The detail gets lost. Um it's the same premise with uh Thanos in uh, Endgame and all that stuff. He looks really cool up close because you see every little detail. But when we're not up close, he doesn't have to look as defined and uh, like we don't have to see every little pore on his skin. Um, and he's moving around a lot and he's very big and actiony and it works because we don't need that definition. But when we have a cat that is covered in hair and has a tail that moves independently from the rest of its body. It's so many little things that if you don't get them all right, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, it looks weird. And uh, y- you bringing up the tail brought me to something that we have not discussed yet. How horny this movie is. It is so horny. It's weird. It's, it's so oddly sexual and always at the weirdest times and all these cats are like, rubbing against each other and like purring and like their tails are like wiggling and gyrating like like when we the first time we meet jenny any dots she is like scratching her leg spread yeah like leg spread just like scratching her inner thigh and i'm like whoa okay hold up a second and like the fact that they get so close like when i one scene one scene in specific that i remember um is when Gus gets really close to Mr. Mistopheles' face. They get so close, and I actually moved back in my seat. Like, I leaned back because <laughs> I was like, I don't like how close they are right now. And, like, they all nuzzle against each other. I guess it's, like, as a hug. It's, like, their, their way of hugging, and I get it. They're cats, but, like, mm, uh, There were weird. moments where I really thought, like, cats were going to kiss. And then I'm like, oh, wait, we're watching cats. So they just start nuzzling against each other. And you know it, what that's a substitute for. Yeah, exactly. They're Um, obviously nuzzling against each other out of some sort of, like, attraction, which just makes it so uncomfortable. And imagine imagine being... I just want to imagine being an actor in that movie, in, like, my skin-tight mocap suit, dancing around as a cat, and then I'm told I have to go nuzzle up against James Corden and his neck, and I just (laughs) have to be right there. I think I would start crying. <laughs> yeah, that's enough to make anyone break down. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, I understand what they were trying to go for. And when I see this on stage, when I watched a couple of clips, it looks better, in my opinion, because we know they're humans dressed as cats. Right, but they're not trying this, to make humans look like cats. Exactly. Well, they, they are, but not like trying to morph them into humanoid cats. Yeah, we, we understand that these are people acting as cats, but when you cross that line and you meld the two together, it just gets weird, and you just your brain can't understand it because you're like, am I supposed to be looking at people or are these cats? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it feels unsettling. Um, in, in regards to what you said about... Wearing your skin-tight motion suit. I don't think they wore motion suits for this movie. I remember seeing something about how the actors just filmed regularly and then they CGI over their bodies. I'm pretty sure they, like, maybe they wore motion suits, but they didn't wear anything to indicate, like, a cat physique. No, I don't think they wore anything to wear, indicate a cat physique. I think they had to wear, like, skin-tight suits. 
um, to make it easier for them to add mocap over or add the CGI over. I may be totally wrong on this. All I really know about the CGI is that Jason Derulo's bulge was too big and they had to take some, uh, remove some of it because it felt too weird. <laughs> uh, speaking of the CGI, have you heard of the butthole cut? No. Okay, Seth Rogen started this a few weeks ago on Twitter. He went on Twitter and he was talking about cats. He was doing like a live stream, like super high of him watching it. It was hilarious. Mm -hmm. But anyways, somebody said, my friend worked uh, with the CGI on cats. And he said that when they were first editing the movie, every cat was animated with a butthole and they had to digitally remove the buttholes from the cats. Oh, no. They So somebody out there has a version <laughs> of this movie where all the cats have literal buttholes. I want to watch it. I want to watch it. I want to watch it so badly. I... Give me the butthole cut. <laughs> wow. Imagine if they had put that movie out and they're like, cats. And parents are like, come on, kids. We're going to go see cats. And then you get that scene with <laughs> Rebel Wilson, legs spread, and cat butthole right in your face. Oh, no. <laughs> that would have been really bad. That CGI dude has PTSD. He can't even work in Hollywood anymore. He's like sitting at his desk. He's like, I've animated 20 cat buttholes today, and they just told me we're getting rid of all of them. And he's like just shaking and starts to break down. <laughs> I Yeah, I can't believe that. When I saw that, I'm like, this movie's already bad, and now there's a version of it out there where there's buttholes in it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but let's move on from the bad CGI. Uh, there's two technical things I want to talk about, um, and that is the wire work in this movie. Um, if you notice while you're watching this movie, there's parts where the cats will jump in the air and they glide weirdly. Um, like the laws of gravity don't really apply to them and they'll glide for a bit. That's all wire work. Where they would have, they'd probably have the actors doing that, and they're attached to wires, and the wires make them jump farther than they could and glide a little bit. It's used a lot in like older action movies and stuff like that. Right. Um, but I think it's wrongly used in this movie. I, I think agree. That with the amount of CGI they did, why did they not just CGI the cats jumping? The one thing that they actually did with practical was the cats jumping around. So now. You have this CGI cat actually doing wire work, and it it's, it's so weird. I think the I think one of the faults of this movie that um, can be related to Les Mis um, or contrasted against uh, Les Mis is Les Mis doesn't break the fourth wall ever. Mm -hmm. um, it's a movie. They take the play and they make it a movie. Take the musical, they make it a movie. In this, I feel like they don't know if they want it. They want it to be a play or if they want it to be a movie, right. because we don't. If they wanted to break the fourth wall at the end, if they want to do that for the entire thing, they could have. They could have had it so that they talked to the audience the entire time. It might have felt weird, but it would have made more sense. Um, and also in this. Since they have so much CGI, why do they feel the need to use the practicalness of them floating through the air like they would in a play? Yeah. Um, I think if they had just chosen to use all CGI and had it just them just jumping like cats would or like ob obeying the laws of physics, I think that would have helped a little bit. Um, I agree. And so it's just a matter of deciding whether you want to be a play or if you want to be a movie. If you want to be a movie, you have to follow the rules of a movie. Yeah. 
Um, and with with Les Mis too, it's grounded in such a like you said, there's no fourth wall breaking. But on top of that, it's such a serious like tone. Like every it, everything, there are sad elements of it. It's all very serious and very grounded in reality. And it it's less of a matter of oh, Tom Hooper uh, adapted a Broadway play and made it into a movie. It's like he made Les Mis into a movie. That doesn't mean he's like some great Broadway director who can like take Broadway plays and turn them into movies. You know what I mean? Just because he did it once doesn't mean he can do it with Cats. Yeah, it, it's a whole other ball field. And like Les Mis is an actual like French Revolution whole kind of thing. Like compared to Cats, which is Cats. <laughs> um, Busta for Jones, Gusta Theater Cat. Literally. Uh, it's totally different. Totally different uh, genre, um, but the since we we're kind of talking about it, um, let's talk a little bit about the lack of a plot or the plot in general. Um, I think this plot works a lot better on a stage in a musical because in a musical things don't really have to be explained. Yeah, um, and it makes sense in a play because some things just happen and. Um, especially in cats, because you as the audience are being introduced to all these cats. It makes sense because the cats are talking to you as an audience, but in this, they are talking to Victoria, our main character, who we are supposed to kind of like, I guess, embody and like see through her eyes. Which doesn't work. No, it doesn't work because she doesn't feel like a character. She has very little lines in that movie. She feels like an afterthought, which is what she is, because she's not a part of the original play. Exactly. And so I feel like having her replace the audience doesn't work as well because the audience is still there. Like, we are still there. Um, we are living out this thing of cats, but we don't feel involved anymore. We feel like we're on the side watching this thing that's happening. <laughs> like... And we aren't even experiencing it. It's just happening. And then Judy Dench breaks the fourth wall and talks to us at the end. And I'm like, like, it's like we've been there the whole time, the way she looks at you at the ending. But then you haven't. You've just been watching these weird musical numbers. Yeah, exactly. And um, what I wanted to say is in regards to like it being like a Broadway play, it works because there doesn't necessarily need to be a plot, like an overarching theme or like a direction because not saying plays don't need plots, but I'm saying in regards to Cats being a play, it it doesn't need one because when you're watching that, those songs sort of serve as the experience when you're watching a play. Yeah, exactly. And but when you're watching a movie, you're trying to make up for it with all this insane CGI visuals and trying to still convert it into a movie while keeping elements of its play. And that, like you said, does not work. Yeah, and those big musical numbers look so much more spectacular on a stage when you see a bunch of people doing it, but when you put it into a movie and these got they've got this these close-ups that cut it a bunch of times and we don't get to see everything. Um it takes away from the magic of those dance sequences and it's not as interesting. Um one thing I do want to mention is in a lot of those dance sequences there's two Did you notice that there was two cats with shoes on? Yes, I noticed one cat, not two. So there's two cats with shoes on, and um, they are played by these guys called Les Twins. They both speak French. It's their first language. Um, and I've seen them dance a lot of times before. They are amazing dancers. They do very cool, like weird hip-hop-y, poppy stuff. And you see them do it in the movie, too. Um, but it doesn't make sense why they have shoes on. 
Cause yeah, they they're, they're not even like real shoes. They are like form fitted, suck to their feet shoes. <laughs> and it makes no sense, and I don't like it. I don't like the who, cats with shoes. Who made these shoes, and why did they make them for only two cats out of the entire population? <laughs> exactly. Um, why don't all the cats have shoes? Uh, but anywho, they are we, good we, dancers. <laughs> Check them out, Lay Twins. Very cool stuff. Um, but yeah. Do you have anything else to say about cats? <laughs> to close off, I wanted to do something with you right quick where I'm going to name all my favorite personal best songs and then name all my personal worst songs. And I want you to do the same after. Okay. Okay, so the songs that I think are the best songs, not out of... I just think that they're the catchiest, they're, they can get stuck in your head. The most enjoyable. Yeah, they're just fun. And I think that the best songs are Jellical Songs for Jellical Cats. Uh, memory, uh, the Railway Cat song is really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Beautiful Ghost, which was written for this movie, it wasn't part of the original uh, play. Yeah, is also a really good song. And Mister Mistopheles is a really good one as well. And I think that the worst ones are the overture theme, which is like that. It's like yeah, it's it sounds like you're entering hell through an amusement <laughs> park, and so it's very fitting. Uh, the Rum Tum Tugger song is awful. Yeah. The Busta for Jones song is awful. <laughs> the Gus the Theater Cat song is not awful, but really not good. And McCavity, the song that Taylor Swift sings, is really not good either. And then the final worst song is the Addressing of Cats, the one where Judy Dench looks at the camera and gives a whole little monologue that's in the form of a song, but barely sung like a song. Yeah, I my list is probably almost exactly the same, except... I would say that the McCavity song is actually good, um, and so is... No, yeah, that's the only thing I'm going to change. The McCavity song <laughs> is actually good, um, in my opinion, just because I like uh, the kind of overall style of it, where he kind of like takes everything over, and Taylor Swift does a good job, even though she's attempting a British accent, I guess. That's That's my problem with it, and I think that's why I'm biased enough to put it as one of the worst songs, is I hate... Taylor Swift's British accent, man. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. My list is the exact same as yours for one reason. Because McCavity without a coat on looks weird. I don't like yeah, him. he's so gross, He's man. too sleek and, like, he doesn't look like a cat. He looks like a person with fur. I don't know. I don't like And it. ears. Yeah, I, I just don't like, I don't like the way he looks. So, you know what? My list is probably the exact same as yours, I yeah. would say. There's a couple good songs and there's a couple awful ones. I would I would also maybe change the Gus the Theater Cat song as to be a good song. I think it is a good song. I just think it's not as like great as the other ones. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I, that's my uh, ranking for the songs. And it's not like it's a horrible movie. It's not good. There is very little good parts of that movie. But I did enjoy some aspects of it. I see this being, give it 10 years from now, I see this being a huge cult classic with a big midnight movie fan base. Uh, you know what? You're probably right. I can. I really see people being kinder to this movie over time, not because it's any sort of good, but because at the end of the day, it is very fun. I I kind of, when you now that you say that, I kind of think of, it reminds me of um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. 
Yeah, man, people hated that movie when it came out. Yeah, it, it is a very weird movie, but now there's like a whole cult classic following. Like, we went to go see it um, in, uh, what's that park called? Um, Spring Garden Park, I think, right? No, there's a name for it. Anywho, there's a, there's a park on Spring Garden Road, and I'm upset with myself that I can't think of what it is. Um, but anywho, they had a movie night where they showed Rocky Horror Picture Show on like this big projector screen and we went to go see it and it was super cool. Like there was people dressed up in the outfits. It was a lot of fun. Um, that, that was my first time seeing Rocky horror picture show. And I'm glad I got to, I mean, it was my first time fully actually watching it. I had seen it, but never like fully, fully seen it. And that was my first time actually like just full on embracing it and watching it. And that fan base is cool, man. They really like take watching that movie to the next level. And it's something you don't really get to see. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it has a like you said, it has a very uh, cult classic following, that kind of thing. So maybe that'll happen with cats. Who knows? Maybe in like ten years, we'll see people um, at parks watching cats on a big screen dressed as cats. Who knows? I promise you, I will be there. I I will be there dressed as um, uh, Buster Jones, loving my life. <laughs> I'll be I'll be Jason Rum Tongue Tugger. <laughs> Rum Tongue Tugger. Yeah, but, I mean, closing thoughts, this movie is is pretty bad. But yeah. pretty bad in the sense where it's just a perfect example of Hollywood firing on all cylinders without realizing that they're firing on all cylinders for something nobody really cared about. Yeah. Um, I think I think what they were trying to go for could have worked, but they aimed for the moon and crash-landed in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> yeah. Um overall i had fun with this movie there were moments where i had fun but they do not outweigh how, how bad weird it is and bad it is yeah um, and y- you can enjoy terrible things like it's okay as a f- as a fan of movies and like serious movies just let loose and watch cats man it's it's awful and it's really enjoyable exactly um that that's about all i have to say for cats uh, Me too. I think it's hilarious how right as we're in the midst of building some sort of fan base for our podcast, we do an episode on cats. And <laughs> I, I think we're about to watch that crash and burn pretty quick. And this is the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for listening to us ramble about such a terrible movie. Um, Save yourself the time from watching it or have a couple drinks and, and, and watch it. Yeah, exactly. You'll you'll have fun, maybe. Um <laughs> If you want to see our ratings and reviews for this movie, you can find us on Letterboxd. Um, I'm at Wesley Giffen. And I'm at Hayden Kutris. And it's the same thing for our Instagrams. And also check out the Dive In Movie Podcast Instagram where we post our podcast for the week and what the next one we're going to do is and all that fun stuff. Yeah, just various content. So yeah, thanks for... Uh, I just realized I didn't rate this movie 1.5 out of 5. I, I would probably give it a 1.5 as well. Because I had fun. I had fun. wasn't good. I had fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I guess we'll see you guys next week. And Yeah, see you next Sunday. Stay jellical, everyone. Stay, be a jellical cat. Jellicals can and jellicals do. <laughs>